Welcome to Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series in the hospitality tabletop industry. This podcast was originally published on the week of April 20th and runs for approximately 35 minutes. Now here's your host, Dave Turner. Hi everyone, I'm Dave Turner and I'm your host here at Seat Yourself and I want to welcome you back. Seat Yourself, of course, is our weekly podcast covering the whole world of hospitality and specifically we focus on the hospitality tabletop sector. And in case you're wondering, you're listening to episode number 71 here in mid-April, all coming to you from the beautiful Baltimore area of America's East Coast. We're here in our Studio B today, where we remain completely virus-free. And today, we're back with another segment in our new mini-series, On the Front Lines. And in that series, On the Front Lines, we bring you conversations with industry experts from all corners of our audience. These are experts who are indeed on the front lines of the food service and hospitality industry worldwide. And they, like all of us, are trying to find our way through this maze called COVID-19. And now in many parts of the world, people in the hospitality industry are preparing to reopen and are finding they're finding ways to prepare for that too. And today's episode, we head on up to Canada as we speak to Toronto's Brian Wood. Brian is an incredibly interesting guy. For those of you who know him, you know this already, but he served in a number of perspectives in a variety of capacities through his extensive career within the hospitality and food service business. And a little less than a year ago, he took over ownership of Rabco Food Service. So we'll be very interested to hear how all that has gone. And in addition, Brian's going to give us his insights into what's happening at the moment within the Canadian hospitality market and perhaps more importantly, where he sees it going. But just before we get into our conversation with Canada's Brian Wood, we once again want to let you know that it's our intention in these on the front lines conversations with these frontline warriors, people like Brian Wood, it's our, our intention to get their views on what's happening in their particular region, but also we want to learn from them what they're doing to fight their way through this current situation for themselves and what they may be doing to help their colleagues and most importantly, what they're doing to help their customers. And as I said, this week, our On the Front Lines conversation takes us up to Canada. And, w- and with all of that, I want to welcome Brian Wood to our program. I want to welcome you, Brian, to seat yourself in our mini-series called On the Front Lines that we started. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to tell our listeners what's going on in the Canadian market. I know the Canadian market sometimes is linked closely to the U.S. market, but I I also know it's a separate and distinct uh, marketplace that has, what, 30 or 40 million people and uh, something on the range of 13 provinces. So uh, I'm sure it's all quite a bit different than what we're used to. And obviously, the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus affected our industry in a massive way, and I'm sure Canada is no different. Why don't you, if you can, Brian, take a, a minute or two and give everybody a snapshot of who you are and what Rabco Food Service is all about and uh, a little bit about the Canadian market, if you can. And again, welcome to see yourself. Thank you for having me on, Dave. Appreciate it. I've been in the, the Canadian food service industry for uh, 37 years. I graduated as a, a civil engineer in 1983 and joined uh, one of the uh, largest independent restaurant dealers that was based in uh, Montreal, Quebec. We had uh, seven branches and I ran that, ended up running that company for 10 years. And then I moved on to uh, another business by the name of uh, Brown Food Service. And I was the uh, chief operating officer of Brown. And in 2003, 
I was uh, proud to uh, be the project leader of uh, an acquisition. We acquired uh, Harold Leonard and Company out of New York in 2003, and we increased our footprint from uh, being strictly a Canadian business to a uh, global business doing business in uh, 45 countries. Uh, I left uh, uh, Brown in uh, 2013 to lead uh, RED, Restaurant Equipment Distributors of Canada, which is the oldest buying group in the Canadian marketplace, much like ABC in the United States. And uh, recently, I um, was given the opportunity of acquiring a business by the name of Rapco Food Service, which I acquired in July of last year. Rapco is a uh, food service distribution company that services all of the dealers in the Canadian marketplace, uh, coast to coast. It was established in 1988, and we are primarily involved in uh, smallwares. Uh, we have our own brand of imported products, kitchenware, uh, under the name of Magnum, and we are also the exclusive distribution partner for CDN thermometers, uh, as well as the Carlisle food service brands in the Canadian marketplace. So that's kind of a snapshot, if you may. How did a, a highly trained engineer get, lose his way 37 years ago and get into the food service business, Brian? It's quite interesting. Uh, when I uh, graduated in 83, uh, the country was experiencing a recession, and I had been working part-time with a restaurant uh, supply company, and uh, they offered me the opportunity to be their um, uh, contract manager. I started doing drafting of uh, commercial kitchen establishments, and I went on to um, lead that business not too uh, long after, and I decided to, you know, I guess sometimes uh, life, uh, careers take you in a a strange manner or detour. And I um, ended up running that business. And I always wanted to move on to uh, executive management in, in my career. And I just bypassed the engineering. See, those are the stories, Brian, I would love because people somehow uh, serendipitously find their way into this business and then they can't get out. See, they become lifers. And I think that's really a cool story. We're going to save that story for another podcast some other day because I really want to find out more about that. But right now, this morning, what we're going to talk a little bit about is the Canadian market. You're on the front lines of Canadian restaurant and hospitality sector. What's going on? Is it open in any way, shape or form now? Is it uh, takeaway only? only? Is it carry out at all? Or is it just shut down 100%? Or is it varied by province? I should ask you that too. Yeah, well, since the um, middle of March, um, the Canadian market uh, has undergone uh, a, ver a variety of um, states of emergency. Uh, much like in the United States, uh, we, we have 10 provinces that are independently run by uh, premiers and they have the mandate to declare these state of emergencies. So one by one, uh, as the virus uh, was becoming more of a danger to our country, uh, they um, mandated that all essential businesses be closed in their various uh, markets. Uh, so where we are today is all the restaurants across the country, including bars, are essentially shut down. The only food service establishments that are, I mean, there are uh, food service establishments doing business on a takeout and or, uh, you know, type of basis, similar to the United States. And uh, there are uh, establishments working um, in, that are involved in healthcare or assisted living. But, I, I, you know, the market has been dramatically impacted in terms of this shutdown. I wouldn't say it's shut down altogether, 
you know, uh, most of the restaurants are closed in the country. Is the government supplementing at this point um, any of that business or any of the salaries of the employees so that make it easier for them to transition out and maybe transition back? Uh, well, the government has adopted uh, a variety of uh, incentives to help small business. Uh, there's nothing that's aimed primarily at the uh, restaurant industry per se. Uh, I remember, you know, I follow a number of associations and um, I guess movements that are lobbying the government, but there are small business incentives. Uh, there's also what we call a government wage subsidy where the government is paying 75% of uh, employee wages for a period, I believe, of approximately three months to provide incentives and or, you know, some added liquidity for uh, employers to keep people uh, employed. Now, I know that uh, Restaurants Canada and another um, lobby group by the name of One Table uh, are, are trying to, I guess, get the government to specifically look at restaurants and come up with a type of program that is specifically catered to them, uh, albeit they haven't quite gotten to that just yet. They, I guess they're busy with other matters. Yeah, I, I, the reason I ask the question is because as, as the industry is beginning to pivot to reopening, and I, I wonder how difficult, and it's a rhetorical question, but I, I just wonder how difficult it's going to be for everybody to start back up. Where do I go? How, how do I get those employees that were really great you know, and, and, and with me for years? If I'm an operator, how do I get them to come back uh, and, and then get our operation up and running? It's, it's not as simple as flipping a switch, I'm sure. No, not at all. I, I know it's a serious concern uh, for um, all parties involved, all stakeholders. I know uh, I, for one, am, am, am thinking about that every day. You know, I know that we will eventually emerge from this crisis. But, you know, what is the industry going to look like when we emerge? How uh, will restaurants uh, be servicing uh, their, their customers? How will employees have to you know, what type of standards or directives are they going to be uh, mandated to adhere to? You know, the, the statistics, David, uh, in Canada anyway, are, are very, very devastating. I mean, the Canadian food service business consists of roughly 97,500 restaurants. And uh, of the 97,500, they employ roughly 1.2 million people and another 300,000 in indirect jobs. Uh, the, the latest statistics that I've read of the 1.2 million that they employ directly, there are approximately 800,000 job losses right now. Uh, one in 10, or they say 10% of all restaurants have permanently closed. And within the next 20 days, another 20% may be facing permanent closure. So as I said earlier, you know, what is, what is our business going to look like when we do emerge from this? I mean, one of the things I'm looking at is that the actual account base, the number of restaurants establishments is going to be significantly decreased. And uh, that's going to affect my customers who are restaurant dealers selling to these uh, individual operators. And it's going to affect Rabco Food Service because we are in turn selling to the restaurant dealers. You know, the other things that I, you know, I'm looking at from my, my business is, um, you know, what, what type of products are, are, are going to be uh, conducive to the, what, I would, what I would deem to call the new normal uh, because, you know, the business is going to transform. Uh, are we going to have, for example, disposable menus? Uh, when we talk about tabletop, you know, is flatware, you know, stainless steel flatware going to be permissible on the table? You know, what type of materials are, 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 are going to be permissible? Uh, I guess, you know, we will find out in due course as they identify more 
things associated with the virus? What type of materials does it stick to? And, you know, uh, how long does it uh, stay uh, live? One thing I'm, I'm pretty confident in, and I've been talking to a lot of my customers and colleagues around the country, is when we do emerge from this crisis, I, I think it's going to be a new normal. It's not going to be the way it was when we entered. And uh, nobody has the answers 100% right now. You know, we have to start looking into these matters as we move forward. Brian, do you sell any uh, single service or any disposable wares now? Uh, not per se, uh, David. We, we do sell uh, wipes for thermometers, which is a very hot item these days. But other than that, we're not really involved in disposables. Most of the products that we've been selling during the crisis are uh, geared to um, health service, the health channel market, and or the assisted living market. So we sell thermometers, uh, thermal bags for takeout, uh, trays, carts for assisted living as, you know, the residents are not allowed to eat in a, a collective environment, so they have to stay in their rooms. So there was a scramble in late March to uh, for many operations to uh, acquire the necessary materials to enable uh, their residents to uh, you know, eat because they could not eat in a in a dining area. That's somewhat dying down now, but there there's still you know some demand for those products. Uh, we all we're also noticing uh, again at the outset of the uh, mandated uh, essential non-essential services being closed. There was still a number of our restaurant dealers that were involved in uh, major contracts. You know, there were there were the, these establishments had not been built. Uh, but that has since ceased because there's been mandates across the country to cease construction. Now, a lot of job sites now have been shut down, so that that's somewhat um, slowed down because we do sell uh, sinks and work tables and a variety of other products that are, uh, you know, conducive to uh, contracts. Wow, that's a lot going on up there. And uh, one quick question before we take a break, just so I understand the the scope of uh, of Rapco Food Service, are there is your dealer uh, the customer base of dealers is it spread from um, coast to coast, so to speak? Yes, we we sell from the east coast all the way to the west coast. We have roughly two hundred and fifty independent restaurant dealers that we do business with across the country. And, and we're strictly uh, in the Canadian market. Unlike my previous uh, assignment at Brown, we were selling in the United States, 45 other countries. But uh, today, uh, we're, we're strictly in Canada. But uh, it is my uh, aspiration or objective to uh, be, move, uh, be, not be strictly reliant on the Canadian market and to become more international. Brian, we're going to take a break here for a second, uh, for a minute here. Uh, just pause. And when we come back, I want to talk about the permanent tableware category. I know that you stuck a, a toe in that water, uh, you know, recently, and you're starting to, you're thinking about expanding it. And what I want to find out is you're thinking on it now post-coronavirus. So we're going to be right back uh, with Brian Woods from Rabco Food Service in Canada. So uh, be right back with you. See Yourself is sponsored in part by Edward Don and Company. Everything but the food for 100 years. Now, back to our conversation. 
Hey, everybody, it's Dave Turner again here at Seat Yourself, and we're in our On the Front Lines uh, mini-series, and today we're with Brian Wood, uh, CEO of Rabco Food Service up in Canada. And Brian, before we took our break, we were talking a little bit about single service and, uh, and, and eventually about permanent tableware. I know permanent tableware hasn't been a focus for Rabco, but you, you started down that road a little bit. And my question before we took the break was, has uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus situation, has it changed your thinking at all on that? on permanent tableware? Well, I wouldn't say, David, that it's changed my thinking, but it's caused me to pause and reflect a little bit on it. Uh, as I uh, touched on earlier uh, in the conversation, I'm not really sure what the new normal is going to look like and how it's going to affect table service. When I acquired Rabco, Rabco was essentially a kitchenware business. My vision for the company is to be the leading a uh, smallware supplier in the Canadian market within 18 months. That might have been delayed somewhat with the onset of COVID-19, but I'm still sticking to my uh, to my objectives. In order for us to be the leading smallware supplier in the Canadian market, I have a strong belief in tabletop. So we have made um, some significant strides in, in pursuit of that objective. Just prior to COVID-19, we attended the Restaurants Canada show, which is the equivalent of the National Restaurant Association show in the United States. That was in late February. And we launched um, some major um, uh, distribution and or brands at that show, including Tuxton China. So we have the exclusive rights for Tuxton China. And we're very excited about that partnership. In addition to Anchor Hawking, which has not been uh, that prevalent in the Canadian market. When I was with uh, Brown & Company, I was the exclusive distributor of ARC International in the Canadian market. So I have a lot of experience in tabletop, and I have a lot of a belief in it. Uh, we are also going to be adding a number of flatware patterns that we'll be buying out of you know, various factories in Asia. So that, that's our commitment to achieve our objective to become the leading uh, company within the Canadian marketplace. But as you had stated earlier, I, I, I haven't deviated off of that um, uh, vision, but I, I, I'm just pausing what, uh, somewhat and, 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 and just trying to take a, um, uh, a look at what the new industry may look like when we emanate from this. I'm hopeful that, you know, flatware and, and dinnerware will still be prevalent on the table and maybe they will have to adopt some new sanitizing methods or techniques. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how servers will be handling uh, these particular products to diminish the spread of the virus. And of course, all of this may end up being a moot point uh, once a vaccine and or further treatments are established. Yeah, I, I think that's the big question everybody has now. It's just my sense um, in, in these discussions with people, and it's not just in here in North America, but it's all around the world, is that people, the thinking has has really moved from, you know, what are we going to do? How is this going to, am I going to survive to now? More of, that, that's still there, but how now do I pivot and what will the world look like when I when we do get to quote unquote this other side? And, and you know, what will life be like? And, and, if, and as far as the permanent tableware piece goes, what, you know, where will that fall in the list of priorities for operators in terms of startup? Uh, if, you, if, this, if the world opened up tomorrow, when would they begin purchasing, uh, getting back to even close to normal 
levels of purchasing, if they ever get back there, of permanent tableware. My, my, my gut feeling is you're going to have high-velocity items. Glassware, in terms of uh, high-velocity items, glassware will be first in line because of the use-up rate, the breakage of it. But I, I wonder about things like flatware, just like you said. It, it's a good question. How will that be utilized? Will, will uh, stainless steel flatware be the norm uh, or will something else take its place take its place and and if so what will have to happen to make sure that everybody feels comfortable with that and, and has trust in in those types of products i think those are all big questions and uh, and um, nobody really right now has the answers but one thing i do believe i'm a brand guy and i was glad to hear you say uh, uh talk about the brands that you're bringing on board i'm a brand guy and i think that people try brands are all about trust and people are going to buy from people they trust. And people, when they get back to going to restaurants, they're going to go to restaurants that they trust. So uh, that uh, that safety factor is going to be really key. Brian, uh, back to your customer base. And now, what are uh, what are some of the things your customers are doing uh, to hang on to their business as much as they can? Uh, are there anything that you you've seen that you like a lot that your your uh, provincial dealers are doing? Uh, those two hundred or so two hundred fifty dealers that you have coast to coast. Anything particularly that they're doing uh, or saying, or how are they reacting right now to to all of this? Nothing has really struck me in terms of they're doing anything materially different. Um, I have been, as a matter of, uh, uh, I guess, principle throughout the crisis, try to at least talk to um, five to ten of my customers daily just to stay in touch. And, uh, you know, I, when, you, I, when you speak to them, Brian, what do they tell you? Well, I think their main concern, David, is liquidity. I think that's a main concern for everyone within the industry, um, you know, starting from the operator, moving to the dealer, then moving to the manufacturers where we're uh, situated in the channel. Uh, there's a very, very high level of anxiety and uncertainty. It, you know, a lot of concern on what is the new norm or the new normal going to look like when we emerge from this. I think in terms of what they are doing, uh, unfortunately, most of my uh, um, customers have been uh, faced with the difficult decision of having to um, temporarily lay off uh, the majority of their their staff, which is a you know serious concern. And again, it's it's, it's based on their liquidity concerns. Other than that, uh, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I think they're doing the same thing we're doing. They're, they're communicating with their customers and trying to lend their support, helping hand. Uh, I, I think this is a time for collaborative, creative, out-of-the-box thinking, you know, and I think it's a time for every, all stakeholders within the channel to try and coordinate efforts uh, because, you know, we're all going to play a part in what this industry is going to look like when we all finally emerge uh, from, from this crisis. That's the customer side. What is it any different really from the supplier side, the manufacturer side that you because you deal with a lot of different types of manufacturers, especially as you're expanding the, you know, you're a new owner, you're expanding the uh, the lines that you uh, that you have available uh, to your customers. Uh, what are some of the things that your manufacturers are either telling you or uh, are, are doing to work co more closely with you? Well, the, the manufacturers have, um, I mean, I, I guess they have their own challenges. Um, and, uh, we deal primarily, uh, as I said earlier, with Carlisle Food Service uh, products out of uh, Oklahoma and CDN out of Oregon. And then we have a number of uh, manufacturers that we deal with in Asia. Uh, the communications with our Asian suppliers 
uh, has been mainly, you know, uh, they've been somewhat uh, sympathetic to the situation going on in North America, specifically the Canadian market. Um, they're a little bit further advanced, uh, depending on the country. I mean, a lot of our, our vendors are Chinese, but we do have people uh, based in Vietnam and Thailand and Taiwan. Um, so they're all at various um, uh, points in, in, in their mitigation efforts. Uh, a lot of the, um, and, and I guess what's, what's somewhat uh, interesting is initially a lot of our communications with our Asian vendors were based on, um, you know, their ability to produce and deliver and how our supply chains may be affected. This was prior, this is when the, uh, the virus had just originally started in Wuhan and was spreading throughout China. It had not even entered North America at this point. Now, it's kind of moved to North America, and and we're more under the magnifying glass than than our vendors in in Asia. It's kind of flipped a little bit. They're ready to ship, and we're not quite ready to receive because <laughs> we don't need to build inventories, and we cannot forecast what the demand may look like. You know, three months, six months from now. Uh, what I've noticed with a number of our uh, American. Uh, suppliers. CDN is very, very active. Uh, they're, they're in the thermometer business. And uh, so they, they've developed a product that uh, 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 takes temperature, a non-contact thermometer. I think that's going to be a very, very interesting product moving forward, probably for the next at least six months to a year. And our vaccine has uh, been adopted. And this is not only uh, what we're noticing, we have a lot of uh, demand on this particular product, not only within food service, within all companies, you know, Walmarts or, or uh, uh, General Motors, they want to uh, take the temperature of their employees as they recall them to ensure that their uh, environment is safe for their employees. Carlisle makes a lot of, uh, they have a number of brands, the San Jamara, which is a health safety brand. They have a number of products. So we've been actively involved in a lot of discussions where they've been trying to market uh, their products uh, to uh, you know, their customer base, which includes us, and then we in turn, as their exclusive partner in the Canadian market, offer it to the Canadian customers, face shields, thermometers, a uh, variety of other things. But, you know, they've, they've been fairly active in communicating with us uh, via social media and or through their sales representatives uh, that are, uh, you know, our contacts. And uh, we, we've stayed in close contact with our vendors. To, to ensure that we uh, maintain our, our, our partnership and our, I mean, the other thing, quite frankly, that I've been trying to do uh, at the outset was to uh, let them know that, uh, you, know, it, you know, we are there for them, but more importantly, we will look after their affairs in the Canadian market, which is our responsibility, but more importantly to, you know, assuage them or give them an assurance that our liquidity was fine, <laughs> that, that, that we, we, we could continue to, to buy. And we do continue to receive shipments from uh, Carlisle and CDN uh, somewhat less frequently than we were prior to the onset of the virus. But uh, we are deemed an essential business and we are operating as a, uh, as a company, albeit on a, you know, somewhat scaled down version. Our warehouse is open uh, uh, one day a week, and we are receiving uh, shipments occasionally from Asia that we were not able to stop. They were on the water. We had about 15, 20 containers on the water when we uh, suspended our operations uh, after the mandate of uh, essential business, non-essential businesses be closed. And, and we do continue to receive from Carla. And they are still operational. My understanding is the factory is still uh, working. Uh, Anchor, I believe, had uh, 
ceased operations in their manufacturing, but their DC was still open. Wow. Who'd ever thought uh, a few months back that we'd be leading with face masks, face shields, and thermometers, huh? What a, what a crazy business it's, it's become all of a sudden. Brian, uh, you've been around the block for a long time in the food service business in Canada and beyond. Uh, what advice do you have for people, uh, uh, if any, for, throughout the hospitality and food service business? I always like to, to people who have so many different uh, experiences in this, in this industry, and, and you're certainly uh, among them. Um, you've been you've been on almost all sides of this business. What advice would you have for your other uh, industry colleagues? I would say, uh, David, that, you know, the I, I've been involved in food service for 37 years, my entire working career. And as you said earlier, you know, once you get in, it's very tough to get out. Uh, you know, yeah, I love, the, I, I love the lifers in this business. I really do. I'm going to come back to you and we're going to talk about that someday, too. I'm a member of the Lifers, uh, uh, lifers Society here. Uh, but, you know, food service is a fantastic industry and it's a close-knit community of creative and passionate individuals. And, uh, I, you know, I strongly believe that we will prevail, but it will need to transform and uh, we will adapt. One of my um, mentors early in my career told me that, um, uh, you know, a very valuable uh, piece of advice that I've always uh, tried to adhere to. And he said, you know, uh, Brian, through adversity, there is always opportunity. And so I, I would say, you know, not that I, I'm, I'm big on being able to give advice, but um, I'm trying to be an advocate for our industry here in Canada, using some of my, uh, if I had any influence that I've garnered over the years to uh, put together a key group of vendors, the main principles who drive the business, and uh, try to c collaborate and be creative and uh, coordinate our efforts so that um, we help all the stakeholders and, you know, we, we play a key role in what the business is going to look like when we emerge. But I would say to all of my colleagues, you know, we will get through this and uh, just stay focused, stay calm and be positive and focus on what you can control, not the virus of the economy, which you cannot control. Uh, just focus on what you control. And as I said, stay positive and we'll all get through this. Brian, I, I echo the, your, your sentiments. I, I think those are that's great advice. And uh, one of the things that I'm always amazed at in our business is two things, really, the creativity and the resilience of the food service uh, people in the hospitality and food service trades. Uh, I think that it's a, it's a it's a tough business, but when you and and we talk about lifers, it's people that are committed to serving other people, and and I think that that really is um, uh, is something that once once you you fall into that into that trap which you did 37 years ago, and I did a, probably a similar number, it's awfully hard to go get away from it. And uh, I I agree with you. I think we are going to get through this. And I'm amazed also at the the in this together type uh, of attitude that I continue to see around. So I I have no doubt that we're gonna we're gonna first of all survive, but I got, but we'll be thriving once again. Uh, I said in an editorial recently, uh, I think all of us as as human beings are hardwired for connection, and the greatest way I know how to connect is through food and beverage, with sitting around a table with family and friends and people you love and care about, and restaurants and hospitality. That's what it's all about. So. Brian, I, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your thoughts and your insights in the Canadian market with us today. Is there anything else that you want to leave uh, leave our listeners with? Uh, not really. I, I think that we've had, you know I've enjoyed our conversation, David. Uh, and as I said, we we will all get through this. You know, we just need to stay focused and stay positive. And uh, you know, as an individual, <clears throat> excuse me, I've always been a um, glass 
half full, not half empty. And uh, we, we, we just have to look at, you know, uh, the positives. And, and I do agree with you. We, we, the food service industry is full of wonderful, creative, resilient individuals. We, it's part of the fabric of our culture. You know, we will prevail. Brian, thanks again for joining us here on Seat Yourself in our On the Front Line series. Glad to have you today. And hopefully you'll come back and talk a little bit more about being that lifer kind of, kind of guy. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it, David. Take care. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week's episode as we continue our On the Front Lines miniseries. It's always interesting for me to learn and to hear that no matter where you are in the world, how similar our situations in the world of hospitality really are today. And of course, it's just as interesting how much people all over the world realize that as an industry, we really are all in this together. And as we continue our conversations in the On the Frontline series, we'll keep bringing you thoughts and comments and insights from industry experts from all corners of our listening audience. So once again, I especially want to thank Brian Wood, CEO and owner of Canada's Rabco Food Service for joining us today. Be sure to go to Brian's company's website, rabcofoodservice.com. I'm Dave Turner, and I also want to thank you for joining us here on another episode of Seat Yourself. We'll see you next week, right back here with another episode in our On the Frontline series. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out tabletopjournal.com. Thank you.